How you doing? Welcome to the second. Yeah, we we had a, another one. You know, this was the second one, and we made it, so we're still here. The Falcon Around Podcast. I'm Carl Falk. You might remember me from my days on radio here in Rochester. Uh, hopefully, you listened to the first one. If not, go check it out. We're now available everywhere: YouTube, iTunes, all the cool spots. We're with the cool kids with this podcast. Lot to talk about. We're going to get started with what's going on in the sports world with the coronavirus, and you know, here's where. Things aren't as important as we always think they are. As as sports fans, it's what we do, right? We watch sports. We we talk sports. We have fun with sports. We bet on sports. Everything that goes along with it. Well, it's all out the window right now. Now we're worrying where we're going to buy our next roll of toilet paper. That's one thing. The coronavirus has gripped this country in a way I didn't think anything would ever change the way we live in this day and age, the way we live has totally been changed because of this virus. Hopefully, it's a temporary shutdown. But when we did this podcast last week, talked about the tournament was going to be happening, the the March Madness tournament with no fans. Well, now it's not happening, but neither is anything else. How big has this impact been? Think about the economic impact just in sports. You lose the NCAA tournament. You lose all spring sports in college, high school. Major League Baseball has been postponed indefinitely. The NFL is doing business, but it's doing business the way they sign free agents. And even that has a catch, and we'll talk about that when we get to NFL free agency. The NBA, NHL, they're probably not going to finish their season until maybe the fall. The Kentucky Derby has been postponed. That will now take place September 5th. The Kentucky Derby on September 5th seems like a great idea. You know, it's Labor Day weekend. We can go out there. It's also the first weekend of college football. Assuming and hoping that we are all back to our normal lives at that point, the Kentucky Derby goes from a huge event on the first Saturday in May every year to, wait, that's being run today? Oh, wow. All right. I'll have to check it out. It's a strange time in sports, and... To a degree, I think we can all learn something about this. And I want you to listen to Ken Rosenthal talk about baseball and what their plans are going forward. We don't know when the season will start and how this is all going to play out. Now, the earliest it can start, based on the CDC recommendation, is May 10th. Do people expect it to begin May 10th? Not necessarily. So... We'll just have to play it by year, and it's pointless to speculate when we actually might get started. All of the other things we were talking about were interesting, too, relative to the negotiations that are ongoing with the Players' Union about a variety of issues, how players will get paid, service time implications, all of these things that you could expect would be discussed are being discussed, and that is what is going on right now. So baseball doesn't know when it's going to begin. It, and if you think about it, spring training is generally about a five or six week process to build pitchers up to that, get hitters ready, get everyone in shape so that you don't have injuries. So even when you think it's going to happen and we could all get back to going about our daily routines, it's five, six weeks before we'll see a major league baseball game. Here's where I think owners are going to be upset and fans are going to see show owners see I told you so. 
less is more oftentimes. And I think in sports, more is not always better. The NBA season a few years back when there was a lockout and they shortened it to 50 games. It was one of the best NBA seasons on record. It was great because every game mattered. Guys went out and played like every night was a playoff game. If Major League Baseball doesn't get going, say, till July 1st, an 80-game schedule may be something we have to deal with. And you know what? Great. I don't need to see the Yankees playing the Blue Jays 19 times. The Major League schedule has needed changing since interleague play became part of it in the late 90s. Since then, it's gone backwards. I'm also one who believes in tradition, and I love the 162-game format. You know, last year when Pete Alonso hit his 53rd home run and smashed Aaron Judge's rookie record of 52. Matt fan, talking trash to a Yankee fan there. I, I loved it. And you have apples to apples comparisons. That may be out the window. But a lot of things in our daily life are going to be out the window because of the coronavirus and the impact of it. Shorter seasons create better games. We don't need more bad games. Every league is trying to get more and more money. I understand that. It's business. But sometimes things force us to look at business differently and change things. I think the coronavirus may very well have an impact on sports that's one of those unforeseen consequences where it may actually be better. An 80-game baseball season, shorten the NBA season to about 60. NHL, likewise, I think it would be much, much better. Unfortunately, owners, they'll lose money, so it's not very likely. So the coronavirus continues to be the top story, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be for a long time. The Buffalo Bills, our local team here in western New York, well, they've been busy. They've done a lot of things in free agency. Last week, we talked about them bringing Josh Norman in and the impact of Josh Norman and how that was a good move because it shored up a position. Well, talk about shoring up positions. For years, the Bills have lacked a number one wideout. They've really tried to find him, whether it's trading for Calvin Benjamin or drafting Zay Jones. Last year, the Bills went out and they got John Brown and they got Cole Beasley, and they were good players. All along, we said they need a true number one. Josh Allen, a young quarterback going into his third year, now has it in front of him. And if you're an NFL team, you've got to win before you pay your quarterback. That's how it works. Because once you spend $30 million a year on a quarterback, you don't have that money to build a roster around him. The Bills have two more cheap years of Josh Allen, possibly a third if they pick up his fifth-year option. And I know... Bills fans rankle at that suggestion if they pick up his fifth-year option. But we're going to find out what Josh Allen has now because with Stephon Diggs coming to Buffalo, this is a big deal. This is what Stephon Diggs can do for a franchise. That's going to be where Keenum's going to try to work the ball on the boundary. Keenum steps into it. Pass is
61 brilliant yards for Stephon Diggs. And Case Keenum has just taken the Minnesota Vikings to the NFC Championship game in a game none of us will soon forget. Stephon Diggs made an incredible play on that day to help the Vikings beat the Saints in a way that you can't draw that up. Diggs is a big-time player. He's a true number one wide receiver. There is very little negative about this. Did the Bills give up a lot? Well, yes and no. Many people are looking at what the Bills gave up because of the fact that the Texans got so little back from DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins went from Houston to Arizona for a second-round pick. The Bills gave up a first, a fourth next year, and a fifth and sixth this year for Stephon Diggs. They had extra fifth and sixth because Brandon Bean got people to buy in to a load of crap he was going to throw out to the curb, and instead they gave him some picks. It was nice of the Browns to do that for the Bills. Stephon Diggs gives the Bills a great wide receiver set. Their base set. You've got the number one, the true number one, one of the best route runners in the game in Stephon Diggs. John Brown, deep speed last year. He showed he's much more than a deep threat. Another excellent route runner. And Cole Beasley is always open. You add that to the fact that the Bills are now bringing back the offensive line from last year, which got better as time went on. And we thought that would be the case. You bring in a bunch of new bodies, it's going to take time for them to gel. It did. Bill's re-signing Quentin Spain, keeping him there, keeps that line in place. I'm still not wild about Cody Ford as a right tackle. I think he's going to end up inside eventually. But this is year two. Maybe he takes a big step forward and solidifies that position. But offensively, I don't love the tight end group. I know a lot of... People are very high on Dawson Knox. I think the kid's got potential. He showed flashes. Way too many drops last year. Tyler Croft, I have very little confidence that he's going to produce. I know they re-signed him, restructured his deal, took a pay cut, whatever. I, I just didn't like that move. Tommy Sweeney's a kid who I think right now could be a better player than Tyler Croft. I like Tommy Sweeney's potential. And Lee Smith, Jason Kroom round out that group. Right now, offensively. The one position, the one that is a bit of a concern, and it's a depth concern, is the running back position. Devin Singletary was great last year, and in my opinion, Devin Singletary, the number you write on the board if you're Brian Dayball, the Bills offensive coordinator, is 200. That's how many carries Devin Singletary starts a year with. If you can go up from there, fine. The more Singletary does, the less Allen has to do. Defensively now, Brandon Bean's been like a guy at last call buying shots with a credit card that he hopes he doesn't have to pay. Bringing in defensive linemen everywhere, whether it's Quentin Jefferson, Vernon Butler, Addison, Mario Addison, the kid from Carolina, a kid, he's 32 years old. There's a lot of depth. Now, look, they lost Jordan Phillips, three years, $30 million to Arizona. They lost Shaq Lawson, three years, $30 million to Miami. The Mario Addison deal... And he's a Carolina guy, and that's always going to be a theme. As long as Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are there, Carolina is going to be a factor in their off-seasons. Marriott Addison is 32 years old. Yes, he's averaged almost 10 sacks over the last four years. He's become a pure pass rusher. But for the same money, 
I know what Shaq Lawson could do in that system. I know Shaq Lawson is a better player right now than Trent Murphy. I didn't like the Mario Addison deal when it's the same deal that Shaq Lawson got down in South Beach. I think this is a trade in the Bills. They got older. Maybe they got better in the locker room, and that might be a factor as well. But it's it's different, and I didn't like that move. Here's the thing about the locker room. For years, since being in McDermott have been in Buffalo, it's been about the process. It's been about the culture. Those are the buzzwords, and people like me, I didn't buy into that. And frankly, I thought it was a bunch of crap. But it worked, and it continues to work. This offseason's different. Josh Norman, nobody's talked about him being a culture guy. Stefan Diggs is a diva wide receiver. He's a true number one, and true number one in the diva sense as well. You look at a guy like Quentin Jefferson. He's a guy last year who ended up getting thrown out of a game and flipping the fans off on his way out. Is that a big deal? No, but it's different. It's not safe. It's not Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean picking guys who fit their culture. I think they realize they have a chance. They have a big chance, and they've taken that chance. They re-sign Spain. They go out and re-sign yesterday, which I thought was a great move, Jordan Poyer. Poyer was a steal when they brought him over from Cleveland. He's now getting paid. Trey White still needs to get paid. Matt Milano needs to get paid, and so does probably Dawkins, the left tackle, although Dion, I could I, I could move on from Deion Dawkins if the money wasn't a big factor. I think he's a average left tackle. He's solid. He's not bad, but you can do better. And if you're going to pay a lot, you should do better, frankly. But there's work to be done. But this offseason has put the Bills in a position that's rare. They will be picked a lot to win the AFC East. And I, I think they'll be the odds-on favorite to win the AFC East. The Jets, they've had a quiet offseason, and that's fine. Still getting that salary cap in control, and they've got a lot of draft capital, so they'll, they'll draft well, and they'll improve. And I expect Sam Darnold to be better. The Dolphins, they're also spending money. They're, they're bringing a lot of people in. They had to. Brian Flores is a hell of a football coach, and I think in Miami they're going to get it done down there. I'm not sure how soon, but they'll be better. But, of course, when you talk about the Bills, you talk about the biggest thing in sports. It's the story of NFL free agency. (laughs) It's Tom Brady. Brady's not a patriot anymore. Listen here. Um, You know, it's it's not a pow city, but Tom does want to be as close to his family as he can be. So when you look at all these offers, the the two-hour flight to New York City where his family is, is Tampa. From what I understand... Family and being on the East Coast in the same time zone with with Tom Brady and his family, that was something that was important to him, much more so than scheme or what he'd be running or or anything like that. That is one reason why, even though the Chargers were in it and they certainly did make a run at him, uh, they never quite felt confident. Whereas the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, I was hearing early this morning that people inside the building were very quietly saying, we think we got him. Tom Brady, a Buccaneer? Really? That's what we're going to go with? Look, I I understand if you're Brady, you work for the same guy for a long time, you got a couple years left, you want to try something different. I get it. It's just the Buccaneers, 
the tradition of the Buccaneers is what? I mean, I'm one of the few people who loved the old cream school uniforms. I thought those were great uniforms. I know they won a Super Bowl with Tony Dungy. I'm sorry, with John Gruden, Tony Dungy's team. John Gruden got the Super Bowl there. But I just, I don't see Brady fitting there. Here's the other side of it as it relates to the Bills. Finish this thought. Who's the quarterback of the New England Patriots this year? For 20 years, it's been Tom Brady. He's gone to nine Super Bowls and won six of them. It's unprecedented what he and Belichick have done as coach and quarterback. It's always been a debate, too. Who is the bigger factor, Belichick or Brady? I don't know that we're going to find out, frankly, because I don't think Brady's going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl in Tampa. Belichick? The Patriots were a solid team. Yeah, I know they didn't have the great wideouts and they didn't have the offensive line. They'll get better there. They've had some injuries and they brought some people back. I think they'll be okay on the offensive line. But the question is, who's their quarterback? Do they really think Jared Stidham is going to be the guy? And maybe he is. Nobody thought Brady was going to be the guy when Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Nobody expected that. Maybe Belichick is that good. What I want to see is with this free agency, and there still being a ton of quarterbacks that are capable out there, do the Patriots go make a move? Now, remember this. Brady leaving hits the salary cap for the Patriots at $13.5 million. So if they go sign somebody, say they sign an Andy Dalton for $20 million, you're looking at a $33 million cap hit between the $20 million new quarterback and the $13.5 million that Brady leaves behind. That's a huge cap hit for any team. This is an interesting year in New England, for sure. It's going to be a, a year of an adjustment, and I think it's going to be a step back. And that, again, goes to why the Bills are an ascending team and will be the favorites to win the AFC East. Look at a free agency, though. Brady to Tampa. On the field, you can make it a lot of sense of this. The, the Bucks' offensive line isn't very good. But there's guys out there. Heck, Jason Peters is out there still. Jason Peters, when healthy, is still a very good left tackle. Give him a one-year deal. Overpay him on one year. They have the money. Now, all of a sudden, you've shored up your left tackle position for Tom Brady. And you brought in a veteran who knows how to play. The wide receiver position, we talked about the Bills wide receivers, and it's great. You look at Tampa with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. There's not a better one-two in all of football than those two. And that was with Jameis Winston throwing the ball to them. Jameis is a 30-30 and 30 guy, not the ESPN series, the touchdowns and interceptions. The Bucks last year were 7-9. and nine. They lost seven games by single digits. In those seven games, Jameis Winston threw 18 picks. You take that off the table, and Brady's not going to throw 18 picks in seven games. I don't believe could happen. All of a sudden, it's different football down there. And Bruce Arians, he's a very good offensive mind. He had success as a Steelers offensive coordinator and then had very good success out in the desert with the Cardinals. I think Arians will be a very good coach for Tom Brady. He's used to superstar quarterbacks. He had 
Roethlisberger, and he and Roethlisberger worked well together. And I think Brady's ability at the offensive line of scrimmage to read things, get the right play. Here's another name I wanted to throw out there. Not O.J. Howard and Cameron Brake, because I think those guys are good, should be good. Ronald Jones, young running back out of USC, had some moments last year. I think with Brady there, that guy could become a much better back than he's been. So Tampa, I think they're a playoff team now. I thought they were ascending that way anyway. With Carolina taking a step back, and I'll get to them in a second, the Saints staying the same. Atlanta, who knows? You never know with Atlanta. Even when they're good, you don't know. I think that the Bucks will be in the mix for the NFC South. The NFC, I don't think, is all that strong. The West is very good. The East is still awful. Who's going to challenge them? The North is okay. I don't love the Bears. <laughs> I don't love the Lions. The Vikings just lost a big part of their puzzle. And the Packers, another year older, but they're finally spending in free agency. So I think the Packers are going to be good, but I do think that Tom Brady gets to the playoffs. How about Phillip Rivers to Indianapolis? Rivers at the end of last year, to me, looked old. And I get it. His offensive line in in L.A. was awful. The Chargers needed to redo that offensive line. Rivers... He made some bad decisions, decisions that you don't expect a veteran quarterback to make. Now he goes to Indy where they've got a great offensive line. They've got good wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton, when he plays, and he seems to miss a couple games a year, is still a legit deep threat. This, to me, is an overblown situation. I didn't think last year the Colts weren't good because of Jacoby Brissett. I think he's an average quarterback. I don't know how much of an upgrade Philip Rivers is to that. Drew Brees is staying put. I mentioned that the Saints are going to be good again. They're going to be good, though, because of their defense, in my opinion. That defense has really come along over the last couple drafts. The offense and Brees, they need to get back to what they did a couple years ago when they ran the hell out of it with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Ingram's gone. They need to replace him and go back to the running game because, again, Brees, he's now in his 40s as well. How much do these guys have left? In football, you're much more likely to fall off a cliff than in any other sport. You look good at one point, and then you're gone. Nobody's made more doing less in the NFL than Kirk Cousins. This guy was franchised a couple times by Washington, and then he got a three-year, $90 million deal for the Vikings. He signed a contract extension this week, two years, another $60 million. When you start talking about quarterbacks who made the most money, In the NFL, Kirk Cousins' name is going to be up there. When you start talking about quarterbacks who've done the most in the NFL, Kirk Cousins' name will never be up there. In a league that's all about the quarterback, how about this for quarterbacks that are available today? Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, there is Jameis Winston, who I, I get it, 30 interceptions, but 30 touchdowns. Are you a glass half full or half empty guy? That's the question. Marcus Mariota, he went to the Raiders now. That's an interesting one. The Raiders aren't sold on Derek Carr. They now bring in a guy who gets to sit and learn a little bit. Watch that one. But who's going to be the quarterback for the Patriots? I want to see Jameis Winston and Bill Belichick work together. I think that would be comic relief. Jameis squinting, doing the whole W thing where he's sucking on his fingers, tasting the victory, and Belichick. Enough said. That right there will be enough to make me 
not think as much about the misery we're going through with the coronavirus. That'll be really good. We had wide receivers getting traded. DeAndre Hopkins, I mentioned it earlier. In my opinion, DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in football. If there's anything negative I will say about the Bills offseason, is that if you're going to get a wide receiver and you're willing to give up a one, four, five, six, you get the best player you can. Stefan Diggs is a good player. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be wearing a yellow jacket one day. DeAndre Hopkins put up numbers regardless of who the quarterback is. I think I was quarterback in a couple of years there in Houston for DeAndre Hopkins. He's still at 100 catches. The guy's a beast. Comes to play every Sunday. Yeah, I get it. He wants to renegotiate his deal. You don't think Stefan Diggs is going to renegotiate? Maybe not this year, but certainly after this year. And if not, you got a diva that's unhappy. Nobody wants that. I really think that's the one area that if I'm going to be critical of the Bills, that they didn't get the best available player. They got a good player. They didn't get the best. Arizona now, with DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray was one of those guys, when I watched him in college, I thought, nah, I just don't see it. Then I started watching some preseason football last year. My mind changed in about three snaps. Watching him throw the football, he's got a gift. I don't know how good he's going to become, and I know it's kind of a gimmicky offense, and gimmicky offenses early work in the NFL, and then D coordinators study film and shut him down. So if Cliff Kingsbury can adjust to the adjustment, if you will, they'll be fine. But you think about over the next couple of years, Kyler Murray, a young, talented quarterback, having the best receiver in football, in my opinion, DeAndre Hopkins out there to throw to, that is huge. Amari Cooper stayed put with the Dallas Cowboys. Five years, $100 million. Cooper's a good player. $20 million a year? I don't know that he's that good, but... Washington, reportedly, had offered him more money. So the Cowboys had to step up. They also had to step up because they backed themselves in a corner by not handling the Dak Prescott situation and the Amari Cooper situation earlier. By waiting longer, they had to spend more money. Jerry Jones doesn't care much about money. But then again, maybe all owners won't because now looking forward, there's going to be labor peace for 11 years. We've got a new CBA. Um, it was a reflection of, of what I thought would happen based on all the conversations I had with players, uh, you know, rep. Um, this throughout the league, even the EC was a tight um, vote as far as what, how we felt about the deal. And so um, it was just a reflection of membership. And it's, and it's really because of the diversity of our membership that you have such a tight vote because the deal impacts players Um much differently depending on if you're a first rounder, if you're undrafted, or if you're a minimum guy, high paid guy, um, and then amongst other things that kind of go into as far as the 17th game and did we get enough um, across the board because we are playing the 17th game. So all those things were factors in people's voting, and that's why it was so tight. Here's how close the vote was the yes votes were 1,019, the no votes were 959. The first voice you heard was Lorenzo Alexander, the former Bills linebacker and their player rep for the league. Look, this was one of those interesting CBA discussions because it affected players very differently. If you're a minimum or a new 
player, minimum wage player, if you will, you got a big raise, $100,000. That's a lot of money to get a 15 to 20% raise, depending on where you were salary before. Who's not going to vote for that? Now, if you're a big money guy, you've already gotten your money, you're looking at, I don't want to have to play an extra game. How are they going to compensate me for that? You're going to vote no. And this is where the haves and the have-nots had to face off. And you heard Adam Schefter there talk about how close the vote was. Some interesting things about the new CBA. First and foremost, the 17th game. This was something that was always going to be part of a new CBA. The owners getting more money. Go back to the Open. To me, this is a bad decision for the NFL. The last two weeks of the NFL season currently have a lot of bad football games. They have games that simply aren't watchable because neither team is playing for anything. And one team might be saving their guys for the playoffs. The other team might be saving their guys because they're going to lose the rest of the games and try and get Trevor Lawrence. I think this is going to have more of that. Now, another weekend of football, I get it. We all love football. We all want another weekend of football. It's not going to end at 17, by the way. They're going to get to that 18-game schedule before the end of this CBA. I guarantee that will happen at some point. But the CBA now also takes a few other things into effect. You now have seven playoff teams per conference. 14 of the 32 NFL teams make the playoffs. What are we in? Hockey? I don't like it at all. I didn't want the playoff format changed. I get it why they did. Now, they're going to the to the networks to renegotiate the television deal to make more money, and the networks are going to say, wait, another weekend of playoff football? Yeah, we'll take that for sure. Another weekend of NFL football. The TV deals are going to go up. Thus, the salary cap is going to go up. So all the money we're seeing spent now, guys like Amari Cooper getting $20 million per year, it's going to go up. The contracts that we think are highly paid now are going to, in about five years, look back and go, wow, that was a really good deal. They didn't pay that guy much. The CBA will go up, will have an impact on the salary cap going up in a big way. There's also this, and this might be a reason to celebrate as much as anything if you're an NFL player. Smoke them if you got them, fellas. The CBA will no longer test for drugs. Well, they may test for it, but they're not going to suspend for the drugs. When Aaron Hernandez did what he did, and we found out, and Aaron Hernandez was high all day, every day, as he was an NFL player, a lot of people looked at Aaron Hernandez, how did he get away with that? Well, the testing program was so lax in the NFL that if you hadn't previously tested positive, you had to pass one drug test a year, beginning on April 20th, 420, go figure. One a year, and then you don't get tested again until the next year. So you could really smoke pot every day. And a lot of guys did, and a lot of guys do. And frankly, as somebody who's a little bit older and look at it, and I see what opioids have done to this country, if you had a kid and he was dealing with an injury, would you rather he smoke weed to get over that, or would you rather he take Vicodin or Oxy or whatever with a chance of an addiction that ruins his life? I understand why guys do what they do. It's just funny to me that this is one of the selling points giving back. This was a big push for the owners to say, hey, look, we don't care about drugs anymore. We're all good. You can smoke them if you got them. So 
the NFL labor peace now for 11 years in this season, the last season that we will see with only 12 playoff teams and only a 16-game schedule. And one good thing, I figured this out, we no longer have to worry about missing week 16 for your fantasy schedule. You know, we could all play that last week and not play week 17. Makes the scheduling a little easier. And after all, it always does come back to our fantasy teams, right? You know, the guy in the bar who's telling you, hey, I got this guy at quarterback. Shut up. Nobody cares. Well, we all care about our own, but nobody cares about anyone else's. So that's episode two of Falking Around with Carl Falk. Thanks for listening. Get the word out. I'm back. Please tune in. See you next week.